Welcome listeners, the time has come to hear the lovely tips we've done. That's right Andy, it's an intro with rhyming, with slightly less than perfect timing. So grab your pen and transcribe this fast. It's the latest on Profit Podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Winter and this is Andy Furlong. No, this is Andy Furlong. That's Andy Furlong. <laughs> and it's time to set our sporting suit-saying settings all the way to the max again. We've got Premier League tips and lots of them, so... Buckle up. How are you, Andy? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, Simon. How are you? I'm good. Awesome, in fact. Cool. You enjoying the football this week? Nope. Not even a little bit. No? Too many games cancelled for my liking. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cancellations going on. Maybe a lot of cancellations going to come up this weekend as well. Yeah, more of that later on. But first of all, I must inform you that this podcast is about betting and gambling, so you must be age 18 or over to listen in. And if you do follow our tips this weekend, then please gamble... Responsibly. Responsibly. Right, let's go. So I'm up first with Manchester United versus Brighton. Okay, so just like last week's fixture between Brighton and Spurs that Andy ended up covering in a futile exercise anyway, there's a good chance that this game will be called off for COVID reasons. Again, Albion are largely the innocent party, though they do have some cases themselves, I think, according to the latest reports. United, on the other hand, are pretty riddled. 19 cases officially and counting, so it's difficult to see how this one proceeds. With the status kind of iffy, I'll try and keep this one this one um, relatively brief. If the game is on, then both United and Brighton might have kind of ramshackle teams out on Saturday morning. We know the Seagulls probably won't have the likes of Lewis Dunk, Danny Welbeck, Adam Webster for injury reasons alone, while Yves Basuma picked up a fifth yellow card of the season against Wolves on Wednesday and is suspended as a result. So a big loss, Andy. No Basuma, no party? No Basuma, no party. Okay, That's so, what the t-shirt always says. <laughs> so Brighton lost that game 1-0 and that was the ninth time in 11 previous league fixtures involving Albion where under two and a half goals landed. They've actually only scored three times in their last six games. United, meanwhile, have made a pretty unspectacular start under Ralph Ragnick. Is that fair? A couple of 1-0 wins over Palace and Norwich. A couple of welcome clean sheets, though they didn't really deserve that one in Carroll Road, I think. No, no, they probably didn't. But like, yeah, the clean sheets is the important bit, I suppose. They've really struggled to keep them in the last... Yeah, it's a platform. Know, yeah, yeah. So. so David De Gea and Fred have kind of been United's best new players of the... Or the best players of the new era, rather, so far, which probably says an awful lot. You did actually point out some promising stats last week in a number of key areas. Though they aren't really passing the eye test just yet, I no. don't think. Um, very early days. I think they, they, they look pretty good for maybe 50 or 60 minutes against Crystal Palace. Then it was a real slog for the last 30. And then like the whole game against Norwich was, yeah. was pretty poor. So maybe one half or one hour out of yeah. the two games so far that were kind of half decent. I think that the crux of the problem is the attacking plays and it's really disjointed still. Nobody seems to be linking up at all and we're already kind of drifting into if Ronaldo doesn't score, nobody will kind of territory. Mm-hmm. He scored that winner from the penalty spot. Um, I suppose maybe a week on the training ground might have helped in that regard this week if, of course, enough first-teamers were present to train. <laughs> yeah, you assume that they're all having to isolate. Maybe they're not... I don't know how many people are actually turning up to training this week. Yeah, we don't know. I think the Manchester Evening News spotted 17... Okay. Kind of decent enough first team names. Okay. But we're not too sure whether they were doing individual bits and pieces or they could do kind of group tactical work. Yeah. Um if the day if the game does go ahead, United should have more energy and running power at least after the postponement of the Brentford game on Tuesday. Still, I can't see this game against Brighton being a classic. Um the patterns of recent results kind of suggest a low scoring game here. But if you back United to win on under two and a half goals, you can get thirteen to five or three point six. 
If you're feeling a little braver, then another 1-0 to United result is 6-1 or 7.0. Keeping in the trend. Um, if you think Ronaldo will be the match winner again, he could be a nice anytime goal scorer option of 5-6 or 1.83. You can even combine those further and say 1-0 to United and Ronnie to score, which is 13-1 or 14.0. So three options. Those are significantly juicy bets. <laughs> they are. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well juicy. Yeah. Right, Andy, what do you have next? Or first, I should say. Okay, uh, I'm up I'm up with Southampton versus Brentford. So Brentford is the team that obviously Manchester United were meant were due to play during the week. So Brentford should be well-rested as soon as their games. Man United was called off during the week due, due to that COVID outbreak. The Saints, however, are fresh off a 2-2 draw away at the Palace on Wednesday night, which saw them concede a very late equaliser to deny them all three points. That leaves Hasselhutton's men in 15th place and winless in their last six outings. And while, this, while they are enduring this winless streak, goals don't seem to be that hard to come by. They have managed to score six in their last six, so it's not the worst in the league by any stretch. In fact, over 2.5 goals, not always favourably for Southampton, but over 2.5 goals has, has paid out in five of their last six games, along with both teams to score coming up trumps in four of their last six. The only exceptions to that being the away day trips to Liverpool and Arsenal. So, you know, like, in general, like you know, those are two tough away games. So, in general, the, the both teams to score and high-scoring games have come up. The men from St Mary's have only managed four clean sheets all season, three of which came in 1-0 narrow wins over Watford, Aston Villa and Leeds, and the other being a 0-0 draw with Everton way back in September. Um, but as I said, Brentford now should be well-rested. Uh, well the West, London, West Londoners have indeed got the wind beneath their wings as they sit in 12th place, nine points clear of the drop zone as we approach the halfway point in the season. Nice. Fans will be buzzing <laughs> with the two wins, oh! two draws and one defeat in their last six games. Which just goes to show the bees an away game against the bees is as sticky as a jar of honey. Oh no, that was one, one too many. <laughs> I'll go one more. No. A, a side well pollinated with goal scorers. Oh uh, well. <laughs> they have three players all on five goals apiece, and it'll be interesting to see how they can stack up against their holy opponents this weekend. Um, <laughs> they certainly seem a lot more solid than Southampton with both teams to score and over two point five goals also coming up in four of their last six outings. But the last time Brentford won on the road was the 3rd of October and since that a victory away days have been tough with a heavy 3-1 defeat to Burnley. They conceded 3 in a 3-3 draw with Newcastle. You know, they're, they're not the best travellers on the road. So, so Hatton on the other hand have only lost one home game this season and considering where they are in the league that's not actually bad. Like you know, So um, I think the game is set up for a Southampton win and they're 19-20 or 1.95. You can throw on for both teams to score at 3-4 or 1.75. And over 2.5 goals comes in at 10-11 or 1.95. So you could maybe stick two or three of those together to put together a nice little mini bet. Oh, nice one, yeah. You know? Even the standalone result is a pretty generous prize, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that one, yeah. Nice one. Cool. Okay, so it's Watford versus Crystal Palace for me. And it's deja vu time, Andy. We've already been down this road. All the trees are familiar and there's that pothole again that's shaped like a dog smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Watford were supposed to, supposed to play Burnley in midweek but COVID has ripped through the Hornets' first team squad. And having seen their clash with the Clarets called off I would imagine Saturday's game against Palace will almost certainly follow suit. Now Palace have been almost Brighton-esque under Patrick Vieira in that they've been playing pretty well for the most part without winning all that often they've won just four times in 17 fixtures all told. The quality of their football has been pretty good though and their playing the final third has been dangerous. Indeed, they rank 7th in the league for goals scored. However, their goal difference is net zero. So there's still plenty of work to do defensively. 
They are, however, second in the league this season behind Leeds for defensive pressures applied this season, which is kind of a fancy pressing metric if you're into that kind of thing. So they are trying things at least. Um, Despite their defensive issues, you'd still have to back them to outscore Watford this weekend. If the Hornets are, of course, forced to fulfil the fixture by the Premier League, Watford have lost four games on the bounce. They've conceded 11 times on along the way, though they did not consolation goals each time. In fact, each of their last six games in the league produced goals at both ends. Now, is that a right smile I see, Andy? The rightest. <laughs> is, is it BTTS time already? It is, listener. <laughs> you can get out both teams to score at 7-10 to 10 or 1.7 on its own, which is kind of okay. Um, with the current circumstances and uh, Watford's kind of covid issues i recommend coupling that with a crystal palace win at 10 to 3 or 4.33 which is probably too big to pass on yeah you're going for really big big juicy lots of meat on them bones bet so far it wasn't planned but it's a bumper pod it's a bumper pod for me yeah all the the, the christmas presents are coming early (laughs) unwrap them now uh okay that's me done for that game where are you next uh, I believe next I'm at the London Stadium for West Ham United versus Norwich. Bring Nor- a scarf. Norwich are going to make the two-hour or 180-kilometer journey from Carrow Road down to the London Stadium. Oh I looked God. that up last night. Yeah. And what's the like? Is there a bus number people can catch? I didn't write down the bus number, but there's two different routes you can take, and like one of them is a two-hour journey, and the other one is a two-hour and thirty-eight-minute journey. So why Ooh. would you take that one? But- <laughs> <laughs> what are the two routes? This way and that way? No, no. There's just I think one avoids like the M11 or something like oh, that, like yeah. or whatever, right? But anyway, West Ham failed to hammer home their advantage as they relinquished their less than iron fisted grip on four place. With what's, go, what's going on, Andy? <laughs> I'm trying to get as many Christmas puns or <laughs> for Christmas. I'm trying to get puns in here, not necessarily Christmas puns. But uh, they did. They, rel- they relinquished their grip on four place with a defeat to their London neighbours ish Arsenal on Wednesday night. Um, David Moyes and his boys are a strange bunch this season as they consistently pull out big performances against top sides, big big victories over Liverpool and Chelsea. Uh, and very narrow, tightly contested 2-1 defeat to Man City, but they always seem to drop points in their quote-unquote easier games. I know we usually look at the last six when we're evaluating form, but if you stretch back for the last seven for West Ham, there's the aforementioned 3-2 victory over Chelsea and Liverpool, then among them are defeats to Wolves, draws with Brighton and Burnley, and then beaten by a rubbish side like Arsenal. I jest, I jest. (laughs) (laughs) Mikel Antonio and co have managed to score three goals in each of the games against Chelsea and Liverpool, yet only scored one goal amongst four games of Wolves, Brighton, Burnley and Arsenal. You know, so like they just seem to underperform in games where... Does that suggest they're better on the counter-attack maybe? Yeah, it might do, or they're they're better at maybe raising for an occasion or or whatever, or yeah, so it's, 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 it's tough to see, but like they certainly are dropping points in like games where you'd fancy them to go ahead and like, you know, take all three. Um, but Norwich, Norwich, like I said, are going to make that journey down the road to the London Stadium with just one win and three goals scored in their last six outings. Uh, leaving the nest hasn't always been fruitful for the Canaries, no. gathering just five points on the road this season. Uh, these points have normally been gathered against other relegation threatened sides, though, as they've got draws with Burnley and Newcastle, and then they had a somewhat surprise away win to Brentford. But the Yellows are probably feeling a little blue lately, having failed to score in their last three games. And while some improvement can be seen, Dean Smith has has struggled to inject more goals into the side. Norwich can often look very well drilled and very organised since Smith's arrival, but they just seem to lack any sort of creativity when they get the ball in that final third, which essentially cost them against Manchester United. You were talking, you alluded to the Man United-Norwich game there in, in, in earlier on in the podcast. They, 
were well worth at least a point in that game, but they just didn't create anything really. Of no. any, uh, De Gea made a couple of saves, but they were normally from distance kind of yeah, efforts. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of kind of half swinger chances, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, under 2.5 goals has reared its ugly, ugly head in four of West Ham's <laughs> last six with both teams to score only appearing thrice. So I can see West Ham winning this one, but not by much. I reckon a 1-0 or a 2-0 is probably on the cards here to West Ham. So West Ham to win and both teams to not score is 6-5 to five or 2.2. Okay, I like that one, yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, thank you. Nice one. No <laughs> Speaking of things rearing their ugly heads, Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa are um, the focus of my next game. Uh, we're off to the Midlands for another Premier League clash between teams clad in claret. Though both sides won't be wearing the same colours on Saturday, sadly. I'd quite like to see that, actually. Mm. Maybe a, a kind of a three-way face-off between Villa, Burnley and West Ham. Yeah. Two footballs. But there can only be one. One trophy. Yeah, there can only be one claret and blue at the end. <laughs> uh, Burnley have still just won the once this season, though they are starting to draw an awful lot of football matches. Their latest being the 0-0 stale- stalemate with um, West Ham last week, where Nick Pope was man of the match. Um, Burnley actually have the joint 7th best defensive record this season so Pope has been a busy man because they're conceding more shots per 90 minutes on average than any other team in the league so that's 16.7 so Pope is saving them here he's saving them there oh man saving them everywhere (laughs) Um, they're kind of just up to their old tricks really Um, they've played more long passes per game fewer short passes per game on average than any other team it's kind of like we talked about last week they're kind of stuck in the same one season spin cycle a footballing groundhog year type of thing I suppose Um, Villa meanwhile won well at Norwich last time out where they mustered 17 attempts and were worthy 2-0 winners at Carroll Road so that's 4 wins in 6 under Gerrard with the only defeat so far coming in narrow reverses to City and Liverpool so things kind of chugging along nicely there Um, I like Villa just to win this one straight up at 8-11 or 1.73 but I'm not sure it'll be the easiest game on the eye so Burnley's last 3 games produced just a single goal and that one goal was scored by Newcastle (laughs) so um, Villa have yet to score more than twice in a game under Stevie G interestingly they're averaging just 10.3 shots per game since his arrival and that average based on those games alone would have them second last in the league behind Burnley <laughs> for that metric so um, you can boost this one if you take an Aston Villa win and under two and a half goals to be scored at three to one or four point oh I'm going for big ones this weekend yeah, we're going for big ones this week it's 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 not normally like this with you is it I'm drunk very drunk <laughs> drunk on Christmas eggnog <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's actually the end of part one okay and we're ready for this week's quiz no now, last week, Simon, you had a bunch of questions on stuff that happened 20 years ago today. So I'm going to reverse that. I'm going to ask you questions what? on 20 the years future? in the future. No, of course not. <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's Christmas, right? I've kind of got like a bit of a jumble of miscellaneous questions with a couple of festive ones in and around. Are they all well. football related? Every one of them is football related. Oh, no. Five of them are Christmas themed and then five are just sort of miscellaneous Premier League questions. Okay, right? let's do it. Nice, easy one to get you going, right? If the history of the Premier League was just one big massive season, who would be top of that table? Manchester United. Nice and easy one. That was leading into my second question, though. Who would be bottom? Now, I'm going to stop right before you answer, right? We're ruling out this current season as it plays because the answer is technically Brentford, but like we're not even halfway into a season where, you know, so like, I'm so not... Is there like a, can I say, for the team's... 
Is this like all the teams who have ever been in it? Of all time in the Premier League, yeah. Oh, Swindon so, Town. Swindon Town is the answer. Go away. Yeah, with 30 points. Oh, yeah. Was that, was that a pure shot in the dark? Uh, I just remember them being really shit. It was and only in the, se- in the league for one season, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah one season. Them and Barnsley were, co- were close, but Swindon is, is the, the worst team. Kaboom. Um, it's technically Brentford with 20 points, but it's not a full season for Brentford. Yeah, so they don't count. To, yeah, I wanted to rule that one out. So I'm really impressed that you got that one. Thank you. I had to mark down as a definite zero for that one. Oh, well. Um, but... Um, um, next one then is we all know Alan Shearer is the top goal scoring player in, the, in Premier League's history who's the top goal scoring non-English player in league history in league history um, Aguero Sergio Aguero is the answer <laughs> I'm on fire <laughs> which player with 653 games oh. under their belt has made the most Premier League appearances ever 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 in the Premier League Ooh. highest Premier League appearances mm. ever Giggsy it, Giggsy is second place but Gareth Barry overtook him oh. Giggsy had like 635 and Barry was 653 so finally you got one wrong yeah who scored the fastest ever goal in the Premier League oh my god the fastest ever goal in the Premier League was scored by whom Ledley King it was not Ledley King it was Shane Long for Southampton in the 2018-2019 season oh, was Ledley King there for a while with like a goal after Lenny King had a really early one I'd say Ericsson scored remember Ericsson scored under like 17 seconds yeah, against yeah. United that time um, but anyway <laughs> the answer, it's, it's neither of those the answer is Shane Long <laughs> was that his only Premier League goal <laughs> might have been for that season yeah. <laughs> right. so we're getting into some festive questions now let's do it I don't know if this one is an easy question or not every year they talk about it they bring it up every single year that famous World War 1 Christmas truce alright yeah right? what year did that happen in um, nineteen seventeen. No, nineteen fourteen. Fourteen. Nineteen yeah, fourteen. That was, that was, that was not your that next first. guess. That was not your next. That guess. was my first guess, and I outthought my brain. Yeah, sometimes you can overthink things and and, and talk yourself out of the right answer. Go, always go with your gut, Simon. Go with your gut. Do you know who won the game? Um, Manchester United. Yeah. No, I'd say they called it a draw. They surely called that a draw. No, no, no? they didn't. It was a controversial VAR decision and it was all open fire. How feisty do you reckon the game was? So feisty. Do you reckon it was like, yeah, yeah, leave a bit on? Yeah. I'd say they started like as gentlemen, shook hands and... Then they thought, like, I'm going to be fighting him tomorrow, like I could like break his leg here or whatever, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Trying to get advantage. Next question. In Premier League history, <clears throat> who was the only team to have been bottom of the league on Christmas Day and then survive relegation? Oh, Portsmouth. It's not Portsmouth. There was a massive great escape. I think they were the original great escape. They were managed by an ex-Manchester United player. Middlesbrough. No, West Brom under Brian, <laughs> Brian Robson. Robson. Well, yeah, yeah I, went, I went Robson Middlesbrough route. Yeah, there. you were close. You were close, but close, miles but I, away. Close, but way off. <laughs> 1995 was the last time a Premier League game was played on Christmas Eve. The game was won by Leeds. Who did they beat? Christmas Eve, you say? 1995. 1995. Okay, are they still in the Premier League? They are still in the Premier League. Okay. They're, I will give you another clue. They are a Premier League mainstay. They have always Everton. been in the Premier League. They're, it's Manchester United. Cop on. Yeah. I thought you might have got that would have been Manchester United. but So that was Christmas Eve. Moving to Stevens Day. Mm-hmm. Phil Brown famously gave a half-time team talk on the pitch while managing Hull City. Who were they playing against? Well, I know they were losing at halftime to this team. They were. And the other team had 11 players at the they start. They lost heavily. 5-1 was the, was the final score. Well, to, to give um, a, like a, a weird halftime team talk like that, it must have been a team that they had expected to do better against. So it can't be one of the big boys, I don't know. 
and try I'm going to try and help you out if you try and picture the, the, the team hockey's given it's over in a certain corner of the pitch because that's where the away fans are sitting if oh you come try on and try and think of the geography of the pitch it is one of the big boys it's Man City yeah, yeah. They, were they big boys then uh, when was probably, this? well they were still they were they were new money rich at that point so they were oh, relatively big uh, it was I didn't note down the year but sure when Hull came up it would have been 2011 it was the second season so 2011 so they were in their Adebayor type of stage were they they or were yeah Adebayor Ted, what, this Ilano. Ted Tevez they probably no. was, that, was that the season that they'd signed Aguero or was Aguero come the following season they were they were in they were in ascendancy like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so I got that one wrong too the last question then um the last question then is top of the table at Christmas, right? Has always been a big thing that like, oh, it's great to be top of Christmas and most times someone goes on and wins the league. Lots, there's, there has been occasions there where teams have been top of Christmas and they didn't go on to win the league. There's one team in particular that's happened to quite frequently. Can you tell me who has been top of Christmas and not won the league the most? Liverpool. Liverpool! That's the answer. Bam, bam, bam. Liverpool have done it five times in 1996-97. Can you tell me who won the league that year? 96-97? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Arsenal. It was Man United. Liverpool were top of the league at Christmas and didn't win it in 2008-2009. Manchester United. Manchester United. They were also top of the table in on Christmas in 2013-14. United. Man City. That was the year after. That was the day of oh. my season. And then they did it again memory. in 2018-19, which was also Man City that won the league. And then again, last season, they were top of the league at Christmas and then it all fell apart. Blimey. Yeah. They were four points clear of Leicester in second place on Christmas Day last season. Man City were in eighth. And they roared right back. That's roared a, right back. It's a lesson in there to all the teams hovering in mid-table. Yeah, it, the wheels fell off then right after Christmas. I think, I think they had a 1-1 draw with Sam Allardyce. Is uh, West Brom then a nil nil at Newcastle and then January was just they lost like every game every game yeah so I uh, just the wheels didn't they like off. fail to win like, six or seven games in a row at Anfield was it there was and, and I think, it was they, just I think they failed to score in those games it was really they were weird. all like one nil defeats to like Burnley and yeah. Brighton and yeah and there was a nil nil with United in Ugh. there yeah but like they just they just think they just failed to score in six or seven home mm. games yeah it was it was crazy anyway that's the end of the quiz you got three out of ten. That's not very good at all. You got, and, I, the, and you got your first three right. <laughs> I got cocky, listeners. I got too cocky. Arrested on my laurels way yeah. too easy. Story of my life, you know. But still, it was good effort. It was good effort. It wasn't a good effort at all. But it's some of those, some of those counts. questions were really hard as well. I was, yeah, I was thinking when I was putting them together, like, like the Christmas Eve one. Like that was just a complete stab in the dark. The Christmas Eve one, I thought that was tough. I thought you would get the the World War One truce because every year they just they always bleat on about it over Christmas. Like, it genuinely was in my head. My head was just going nineteen fourteen, nineteen fourteen, and I said no head. <laughs> I, I thought you were going. I thought you were going to get the. You got sorry. You got four out of ten. So you got the Liverpool question right as well. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to get the Garrett Barry one right. Uh, I was fairly sure um, you were going to get the Man City one. I actually did because I was originally going to ask what was the final score in that game, but I thought. Why did you think I was going to get the Man City one right? That they beat Hull one time. No, because well, no, because it's a very famous. Like, it's a famous him giving it. Yeah, but it's thing. Just, but yeah, I, the I, opposition not quite as. Yeah. No, that's that's fair enough. And the I, fate I, is badly placed. I, as well I think I always just when I picture it because it's where the the away fans sit in that top corner of of um. I just I just. But always, away fans sit in a few different top corners. Yeah, but sometimes I just I just picture the stadium. I just I, it's it's um. Look, all I'm trying to say is your got, quiz is flawed. Yeah. Look, you got <laughs> no, you, you no. got four, which is not the worst score for this podcast. Is it? A, um, it's an Irish pass. 
it's an Irish pass I, I, I genuinely thought you were going to get five maybe six there so yeah and I put in one or two hard ones just so you wouldn't get the clean sweep alright okay well look 40% is pretty much run of the mill from my exam record <laughs> in life <laughs> so at least I'm consistent alright cool thanks for that I really enjoyed it Andy we'll be back with part two in just a jiffy hello and welcome back to part two it is part two so part two is going to kick off with Arsenal travelling to Leeds. Second season syndrome is well and truly starting to set in for Leeds. And Marco Biel says they sit in 16th place, just five points ahead of Burnley in 18th. Haven't played two games more than Sean Dyche's men. Ouch. Leeds are in the middle of a bit of a nightmare run of games. It sees them play City, Chelsea, Arsenal and Liverpool back to back. It's not pretty for anyone and... They were hit for seven during the week at City and they'll be looking to bounce back hard here versus a pretty confident and in relatively good form Arsenal side. Leeds have won just once of their last six games and that was a 1-0 win over a sturdy Crystal Palace side. They've scored five and conceded 14 in that same spell. Um, Two of Leeds' three wins have come at Ellen Road this season but it hasn't exactly been a happy hunting ground for them in general. Bielsa has been getting a lot of praise in the last couple of seasons for the the work that he's done at Leeds. And while overall the net gain is probably positive and he's done, it, I would say, a pretty good job, I do wonder will there be a turning point at some point in terms of the praise he gets this season. Like, what do, what do you think, Simon? Yeah, look, it's kind of a... I'm still we're just waiting for that kind of immediate turn, mm. essentially. I mean, I think it's overdue at this stage. It's not really a, a flash in the pan. It's an extended... Mm. Deterioration Yeah I mean they finished last season Strong-ish I think Yeah But mm, All, all things considered They had a good season last year Oh yeah of course you know. But this season has been I mean Complete reverse Complete reverse And everything good That they were doing last year Doesn't seem to be working this year Injuries have had a couple I mean Bamford being out for that Kind of length of time Was a bit of a blow But it's just not happening for him, is it? No, I, I think he's pretty safe in his job. Like, I think Leeds would be pretty mad to sack him, you know. So I think he's going to be sticking around. But he, he does strike me as the kind of character who could potentially walk. Yeah, and I wouldn't know? be surprised to see them pull the trigger either. Because, I mean, every team's going to be desperate to stay in that Premier League. Mm. If they are kind of, we're into the past kind of New Year fixtures and Leeds are still a place above the bottom three, something yeah. might happen. Panic might set in. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I just... I think that with with the work that's gone on there, I think they'd be mad to get rid of them. To be totally honest, that's my opinion. But because um, even if they went down, you'd probably back them to be able to get them back straight, straight back up again. Yeah, you, you know? would think so. so yeah. Would, um, they, would they lose many of their players? I don't. I don't think would. so because a, a lot of it is a championship level squad. Yeah, really. Rafinha maybe and yeah. who do they have in midfield? No one really. I can like Harrison, Strujic, all these guys. Not yeah, really. yeah. Um, I'm drawing. I'm drawing a blank. Why am I drawing the a blank? The goalkeeper. Yeah, no, Melier, who who played midfield for England in Euros, Calvin Phillips. Like they'll probably all move on to to other clubs, but um, I, it's generally like they'll hang on to most of their players. You would assume. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. But anyway, look, you know that's 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 Leeds. Arsenal, on the other hand, um, my earlier joke about them being a rubbish team aside, they're a team who are banging. It wasn't form. a joke, listeners. <laughs> they're a team who are banging form, and they should be pretty confident going into this fixture. They moved up into fourth after a big, big win over top four rivals West Ham and Arsenal are going to look to solidify their place there and especially with United having to postpone their game against Bradford and potentially having to call off their game this weekend versus Brighton. Arteta is surely going to look and see this game as an opportunity to continue to post some points on the board and maybe extend that lead out. We'll probably continue to see an Aubameyang-less Arsenal at the weekend as their ex-captain and joint top scorer is well and truly out of favour in the Gunners' dressing room. On paper, Arsenal's form is patchy, but I don't really think that tells the full story. They've won three and lost three of their last six, so they might appear to be more hit and miss than they actually are, but they lost 
to Liverpool, which was fair enough. They lost a fairly close game to United, and then they lost to Everton, which was like Everton kind of the Everton defeat was a bit anomalous. Everton rallied pretty strong towards the end of the game, but Arsenal had ample opportunities to score and kill that game. Um, so like they also in amongst those in amongst those games they had uh, convincing wins over Newcastle, Arsenal, and West Ham in amongst those. So the overall trajectory of their season has definitely been one of an upward swing. I mean, I just talked about the last six games there, but if you stretch that period of format to say the last 12 and double it, it's still just those three defeats in 12. So they have been pretty strong there. So they're, they're going to be an interesting side to watch in the next coming weeks to see what further fallout might come from this Aubameyang situation. Smith Rowe is now the joint top goal scorer with Aubameyang, but how sustainable is that going to be? Um, Lacazette and Odegaard are both bringing up the rear in with four goals apiece in that regard. So... Um, all in all, the picture being painted here seems to be one of the Gunners having just too much firepower for their host this weekend. I think Arsenal are going to win the game outright, and a bet there with no fancy strings attached at 11-10 to 10 or 2.1 I think is sensible enough. But interestingly, Smith Rowe, who I mentioned earlier on, is now Arsenal's joint top goal scorer. He's 12-5 to 5 or 3.4 to score any time. Oh. So that might be worth a little punt. Yeah, yeah, it's a big price for him. Yeah, Red hot yeah. form, plenty of confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brimming with confidence. Somebody Brimming say. with confidence. Brimming's a good word. Yeah. Yeah, I like that bet. Thank you. Um, I think that's the last Saturday fixture, you know. We are moving. Was that the dinner time fixture and not, not one dinner time pun in there? That is the 17.30. Oh, my God. Yeah. Arteta's... What is the world coming to? Arteta's going to eat Bielsa's lunch. Okay. At dinner time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On the Sunday. Um, I'm off to Goodison Park, Andy. Won't you join me? No. For, oh, okay. For Everton versus Leicester and a battle between two former Liverpool managers, Rafa Benitez and Brendan Rodgers, which should go down really well with the home faithful. <laughs> um, I'm going to use a word that you used just there a second ago, but Everton rallied late on to beat Arsenal 2-1 in their last home fixture. Though three players who started that win have since been ruled out with injuries, Yerry Mina, Andros Townsend, and most crucially... Richarlison who scored a false hat-trick which is a new thing I'm coining today yeah. he scored a false hat-trick against the Gunners uh, two of them were VARD and he got the equaliser before Damari Gray scored the winner but he's out um, that was also Everton's first win in five attempts on home soil though they might find repeating that trick against Leicester a little bit tough and um, we talked about Leicester quite a bit last week well I did and uh, they responded to my critique by pummeling Newcastle 4-0 um, Brendan Rodgers was playing the harp about COVID sweeping through his team's ranks beforehand but it's worth pointing out that they had Schmeichel Evans Castagni Soyuncu Tielemans Ndidi Madison and Barnes in the first 11 with Vardy and Pereira in reserve on the bench so you know com- come on Brendan people have real complaints you know and anyway, get on with it Brendan <laughs> um, that was the Fox's first clean sheet since August 8th actually which was their opening game against Wolves that was 1-0 so um, I think all things considered they've had a really underwhelming season so far away from home especially where their wins at newly promoted Norwich and Brentford are their only ones on the road so far however however Andy and it's a big one an Everton team without Richardson, Townsend and probably Calvert-Lewin looks incredibly toothless to me and though former Fox Demary Gray will be keen to impress I think Leicester's superior firepower will be worth backing here so a Leicester just straight up, again, like yours, no strings, no bells, no whistles. A straight up Leicester win on Sunday is available at 7-5 to five or 2.4. And that looks a gore to me. While Yuri Tielemans to score any time at 15-4 to four or 4.75 is an interesting prospect too. He hit his fourth and fifth Premier League goals of the campaign against Newcastle. And 
he found the net on his last appearance at Goodison Park in January, and he seems to be on penalty kick duty too. Yeah, he's and he's a, he's a tidy player, and he always seems to pop up in, in dangerous positions. So yeah, mm-hmm. again, like Smith Rowe in the last game, he's 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 in form and he's he's got an eye for goal right now. If you could sign one of those players for your team, which one would you go for? Tielemans, thought so. Next game. <laughs> Next game then is Wolves versus Chelsea. Um, I believe this one sort of represents probably the most interesting game of the weekend. Explain um, why. Well, I, I'm just about to. But Wolves are kind of our side this season. We keep on bigging them up on this podcast anyway, right? They're really solid, dangerous and likeable, except for when they're playing against your team side. Um, they seem to represent something really different in the league than any other side in the league this year. And they often make you want to guide your eyes out while watching them, but there's also something <laughs> I really like about them as well. What? <laughs> <laughs> they, they can be quite dull. Like They can, be like, they can often like, suffocate and stifle the game but yet not do it in really overtly Mourinho-esque ways. I get just, you, yeah, yeah. You know, and like when, whenever your team plays against them, they always seem to be just really hard to break down. But yet they ha- they seem to have a bit of character or a bit of endeavour about them that sort of makes you warm to them as well. They're not just, uh, I'm watching this bunch of cloggers in the middle of the pitch. Like, yeah, I mean? like you know, some exciting players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they seem to be able to be really hard to break down and yet sort of interesting enough to watch most of the time as well. Like, I... I, I Every every episode I've been on anyway, we've been talking about how solid Wolves are. Like so, they seem to be sort of our 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 team on this pod this season, maybe. But um, generally speaking, they're 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 low scoring game specialists, and uh, with both teams to score and over two point five goals, have failed to come up in any of their last six games. You look at their recent outings versus Liverpool, where they conceded a ninety four minute goal to lose one nil. Then last week they lost one nil to a very contentious penalty away to Man City. Right before that, they had two back-to-back nil-nil draws with Norwich and Burnley. So yes, it's safe to say that low-scoring games are a bit of a specialty for for the Wanderers. Um, Chelsea, then on the other hand, are having a bit of a wobble, maybe yeah, you could see question that. mark. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're recording ahead of tonight's game, so they might go ahead and trounce um, Newcastle. Is it Newcastle playing later on? No, I think uh, Newcastle oh Everton playing Everton later on tonight. Sorry, um, I was thrown off there by you covering Everton in the for at the the last game for the weekend. Sorry, um, but. Um, they might trounce Everton tonight and that might make me look very foolish. Um, it wouldn't be the first time that's happened anyway. But like, <laughs> but look, the recent run of form, uh, the recent run of games is as follows. Um, they made a meal out of getting past a struggling lead side with a very late and again controversial penalty. They drew 3-3 away with Zenith in the Champions League and cost themselves the top spot of the group. Although the draw worked out for them in the end, so like it didn't really matter. But you know, they, they cost themselves top in that group. That game was preceded by a defeat to West Ham. Before that, they made really hard work and only got a narrow win over a Watford side. Prior to that, they had that 1-1 draw at home to a Michael Carrick-led Manchester United who had just sacked their own manager because the wheels had fallen off their season so badly. You know, so, you know, it's been... It's been, you know, hard work for them over the last few weeks. They've sort of lacked an out-and-out goal scorer. Uh, he's been out for recent weeks, but he's he's back now and Chelsea really need Lukaku to start firing for them. Jorginho and Mason Mount are currently their top goal scorers with six apiece. Jorginho is there mainly because he's taken penalties and three of Mounts came in that that hammering against Norwich, that 7-0 hammering against Norwich. So a steady supply of goals is needed and they've been found somewhat wanting in that regard up front. Maybe Lukaku can get them up and running again because while they have posted those wins over Watford and Leeds, that doesn't really tell the story of their last six games. So their last six has seen Tuchel's men win three, draw two and lose just the one with both teams to score coming up in five of those games and two point five and over two point five goals coming up in four of them. So 
the bookies are really sticking the odds heavily in Chelsea's favour this this weekend. However, with Wolves being so hard to be you know to break down and Chelsea seemingly struggling to put away sides, I feel like a draw at eleven to four or three point seven five is where I would be placing my money. But under two point five goals at four to five or one point eight is thin, but seems like it also makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. The draw is nice and brave. I can see the reasoning. I mean, yeah. it adds up. Under two and a half goals looks pretty safe for this game. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Chelsea are. I mean, Mendy is overworked. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen any articles about them overperforming. Expected anything except for on this podcast. Except for on this podcast. Remember where you heard it first, listeners. You heard it first here, guys. Um. Do you think Thomas Tuchel needs to take the next kind of step? tactically with Chelsea because when he came in his first job was to solidify them defensively and he did that incredibly incredibly well mm-hmm. and won the Champions League on the back of that really strong defensive platform but now they need to be doing more the other direction and it all seems strange for a team who's had some pretty meaty wins at times but some of the stats that you pointed out there about their leading scorers shows that they're not getting anything out of their attacking players really no no, so, they're not getting enough not consistently anyway and like no. I said Mounts Mounts Three of Mount Six came in like a, a, a glut in one game. Like, look, they have been missing Lukaku, and obviously they've yeah. put a lot on him. Werner hasn't really been able to, you know, ignite himself either in the second season. He's, he seems so on the cusp all the time. Yeah, he always he, seems just there. I just think if he can get a, a couple in successive games, and he'll just take off. Yeah, he just has that about him. Um, but Lukaku, yeah, they need to get him really involved. Yeah, and look, he's back. He's he's came off the bench in like three three of the last four matches, but he you know he should be ready, raring to go now over this Christmas period. Yeah, and he's the kind of um, flat track bully is completely unfair, but he does well against some of the lower. He likes to fill his boots, kind of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All goal scorers do, by the way. This is something that gets kind of thrown a lot of different of kind of top performers or oh, they scored in twos and threes against lower teams yeah. that's, it's, that's not that an easy thing if to do if those are the teams the you're struggling to break down then those are the, those are the points that are going to be the difference between winning and not yeah, winning the league usually, yeah because uh, usually and it's another thing gets kind of thrown against these players is that they don't deliver in big games but sometimes those big games are decided by a set piece or mm. a header from something or a kind of a scrappy goal or a penalty it's just the nature of those games so if you do have a flat track bully appreciate him <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> right so can you just remind me of those bets again, please? Uh, the bet I was going for um, would be a draw at 11-4 to 4 or 3.75, um, but also under 2.5 goals comes in at 4-5 to 5 or 1.8. Excellent day. And I promise never to say that again. Um, my next game is... Um, is your oh, last look. one, is it? Uh, this is my last one of the weekend, yeah. Rejoice, Andy. Rejoice. For many reasons, but rejoice especially because you have not been assigned Manchester City's game this week. So I know, I know, I know. You can park your complaints for a week. <laughs> 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 now, okay, so City butchered Leeds 7-0 last time out. Though that mauling was kind of a departure from the norm for them. They usually prefer to kill you softly like a Fuji might. And they've been averaging about him. Um, Two goals per league game before that before that route of the Yorkshireman. Now Newcastle play Liverpool at Anfield this evening before we record, so or after we record, sorry, where they could get a real going over. Um after what is likely to be a chastening experience there, you'd imagine confidence and energy and all of those other ethereal things required to perform will be at a low ebb this weekend. Well basically ebbs will be on the floor in Newcastle after this evening you would imagine so City have won each of their last four meetings with Newcastle and they should canter to another victory against the Magpies on Sunday now to echo my friend sitting opposite with a moan of my own (laughs) it's really hard to mine value out of this pit of despair that is Man City's odds this week so it's time to get a bit creative so 22 of the 34 goals conceded by Newcastle this season were shipped in the second half of their games a pattern that has stayed true to their performances under Howe 
Uh, seven of the ten goals they've conceded since his arrival were scored in the second 45 too. So you'd expect maybe on Sunday Newcastle to dig the trenches, to sit deep, to roll out the razor wire, all that kind of stuff. So it might take City a little bit of time to poke some holes in that defence. Eddie Howe's been kind of adventurous so far, but you can see a five-man defence and four defensive midfielders with this one, I think. So if you were to select the second half to see more goals than the first this weekend, you can get 20 to 21 or 1.95 so you can pretty much double your money and when you consider the other kind of regular match result odds even over two and a half goals they're all a bit crap this week because Man City are just so dominant they're so hard to mine value out of they're so hard yeah so look second half to see more goals in the first 1.95 what do you think yeah no that sounds that sounds really good to me there we go the sounds again you have to uh, no because you, you just have to get creative when it comes to Man City either like what we cover them because we want to cover every single game but like if I was out, out, in, out in the real world, I'd probably just avoid their games because there's there's not as much value in them. Yeah, like, you know, you so just it, pass it, it, over. Yeah, it is tough to extract that little bit of value out there. So like we always try and find a bet for the listeners, but like it's tough to get one for a Man City game most of the time. Yeah, and every time I look at Man City odds for any game, not even for this show, it always makes me make kind of an exasperated noise. I go, ah! Like, how <laughs> well, would I, how well, would I want to tend to win? They're not that good. Let me check the recent results. Oh, they won their last 28 games. <laughs> 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 yeah. Ah, fair. Yeah, and it's it's like I was alluding to the other week that like um, if you look back over the course of this season, over two point five goals is just as likely to come up as under two point five goals. It's like they're they're just as capable of like the the, the game. Take them the recent Man United um, nightmare games at Old Trafford versus Liverpool and City. That they're very good uh, comparison points. But like City won two 0 Liverpool won five 0 but the City one was probably the more dominant one. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're capable of just like okay, we we've got. A one or two goal lead right now and we are so superior and they'll just knock the ball around and yeah, kill the game yeah. they don't seem to be as, as motivated with that same sort of desperation to just score goals and fill their boots now they went and did that against Leeds the other night but again when the mood the mood is very rarely on them but did you, I don't know if you watched the game or anything but like they also kind of felt like they weren't even trying <laughs> like, <laughs> like Leeds Leeds were pretty poor now the other yeah. night like you look and, and Bielsa had said in the, in the post-mass in post-match interview that it was the worst performance that he had since he'd been at the club that they were really bad it's not just a case of like but like so even City not really trying and managed to score seven like you know like there wasn't like they were you know just blistering all over the pitch or anything so yeah they're, they're more they're, they're just as likely to strangle the game 1-0 they have that power yeah. that um, it becomes a bit of a problem especially if you're trying to beat them to a title because other teams seem like they're not trying either it's like a resignation other teams just right write it off yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that ha- used to happen before with United when they used to just coast to, they change 8 players and win 3-0 a lot onto Bradford and all these teams yeah, yeah 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 so it must be frustrating to see if you're a, like a Chelsea supporter say and teams are giving your team a real good go then you tune into City's game and you see them go ah yeah 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 like that same lead slide where, I wonder how much of an effect that like that late controversial penalty to cost them a point at Stamford Bridge I wonder how much that you know, maybe mentally affected some of them these yeah. players or whatever. But so yeah, like, the so effort that Chelsea had to go through to get their three points versus the effort that City had to go through to get theirs yeah, yeah, like yeah. is night and day. Yeah, for sure. Um, just back to the Man City kind of crap odds and match result markets. I did a thing a couple of years ago where it was one of their league winning seasons, and they I think they only lost four games in the Premier League, something like that. Anyway, and I went back painstakingly went back to all the old odds from the games, and I kind of did a like a hypothetical put a tenner on City to win all oh, the games yeah, that season yeah. and then a tenner on the other teams to win because all the odds were like 20 to 1 yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you would have won like way more money 
backing the other team, even though they only, though it was they only, only won four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just, no, we don't recommend doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the long term strategy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, what was the what was the bet you had again? Second half to see more goals in the first half. Yeah, that's it. Just simply that, and it was a twenty to twenty one or one point nine five. So you've got the last game of the weekend, and what a corker! This is going to be quick, I'd say. Um, Spurs host Liverpool in the final game of the weekend. Now, Spurs obviously didn't complete their Europa League conference commitments, and nor did they play last weekend due to a COVID outbreak within the squad. So it's hard to say what kind of shape they're all going to be in come Sunday. Again, we're recording this before they play Leicester tonight, which will give a much better indication of what kind of team we might be able to expect to see against Liverpool. Looking at Spurs' form over the last six games, it's kind of weird and it feels somewhat disingenuous. Spurs' last six games goes all the way back to a 1-0 victory over West Ham way back in October because they've had games called off due to COVID. They also had a game called off versus Burnley because of heavy snow. So like it feels like they haven't played as much as everybody else in the last few weeks. Um, so they're, And they are currently sitting in seventh place, just four points behind Arsenal in fourth with three games in hand under Norton on their rival. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So their, their, their stretch of form runs back like... That Manchester United three 0 win over Spurs is include is in their last six games. Like, wow. do you know what I mean? Like, you know, that feels forever. It ago. Feels forever ago. Yeah. yeah, like both teams have changed managers in that time. You know, so um, Klopp, Conte versus Klopp though always does represent an interesting fixture. I think, like, right. But even with a fully fit side, I think this is a fixture that Spurs have traditionally struggled in. In fact, you have to go back to October twenty seventeen for the last time Tottenham managed to beat Liverpool in any competition, home or away. That was a 4-1 win. Do you remember that game? It was pretty early in the Klopp era and Spurs were like top-notch and Klopp hauled Lovren off after about half an hour or whatever. But before that, that was 2017 and before that you have to go all the way back to November 2012 for a Spurs win. Oh so like God. home or away, all competitions sort of and um, Spurs just traditionally don't do well against Liverpool. So um, it's hard to see that that's getting any easier this weekend. Jurgen Klopp's men have um, won... Uh, their last two games as narrow 1-0 victories but don't be fooled into thinking that they're not still in red hot form they've scored 16 goals in their last 6 games Mo Salah and Co are currently shredding pretty much anything that gets put in front of them so while I said Conte and Klopp always does represent an interesting fixture and Spurs are still undefeated in the league under Conte I think this, this is just going to be a bridge too far to be completely honest, I would have fancied Liverpool if all things were equal. You throw in Liverpool's form and the form of Salah in particular. You factor in this COVID outbreak and I am not. I don't think it's going to look good for the North Londoners. Liverpool have kept four clean sheets in their last five games and who knows what kind of side Spurs are going to be able to put out. So Liverpool to win and both teams to not score is 2-1 to one or 3.0. Okay, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Very and sorry Spurs fans but like we don't know what shape that squad's going to be no in you can only yeah, yeah exactly as you said maybe tonight's fixture will give a, a rounder picture but yeah but like yeah. I said even, even with all things equal they, they, they yeah. always seem to struggle against in Liverpool it, in any scenario you're back in Liverpool yeah yeah, yeah. unfortunately and that wraps up that this wraps weekend's up. games no no before time any final thoughts to share is this this might be our last pod before Christmas there's a good possibility listeners that you won't get to listen to our dulcet tones until the new year new year new potters maybe we might squeeze in something between Christmas and New Year but we can't guarantee it but we might be able to squeeze something in yeah we'll see we'll try our very best but yeah it's likely that it won't be till the new year if you do want more shows then make sure to just relax we'll get we'll, we'll put it out <laughs> <laughs> just, enjoy, just enjoy your Christmas guys just enjoy what we've given you so far 
don't think about us too much um okay so thanks to all of you for tuning in we really appreciate you taking the time to listen if you like the show we'd appreciate a follow on spotify and maybe even a share with your friends if you're feeling super duper christmasy and generous and the more followers we get the likelier it is that we'll be able to produce shows so make sure and check out odds profit on facebook and on their official website for their latest expert tips most importantly actually i've got two important notes to finish on this week first of all have a wonderful Christmas, listeners. And Second of all, gamble responsibly, for God's sake. <laughs> See you later. Thanks. <laughs>